A nine. A nine. Andy, this week we're going to be talking about how do you introduce a non-gamer to your game? Oh, interesting. Okay. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic. This week you have just us. It's me, Chris Salzman. And me, Andy Rao. No guests this week. I apologize for everybody who's anxiously waiting for um, someone other than us, but this is what you got. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Andy just rolled in our table, and so we're going to talk about this topic for sure, but we um, we wanted to just chat about some other stuff beforehand. So I think, yeah, first of all, um, we realized recently that we're actually coming up on a year of doing this Yikes. pretty soon, which is bizarre. Um, yeah, so thank you for anyone who's been listening. That's amazing. And thank you for all the guests and stuff who've been on. That's also just amazing. <laughs> this is, this is a, a new experience for us to be able to do a kind of a creative project like this for a, like a solid year. But yeah, so there's more to come after that. And I'm sure we'll get into more detail about it in the next couple episodes or so. But yeah, I don't know. Do we want to talk about some of our plans for the rest of the year? Well, do we have plans for the rest of the year? <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, maybe a special episode or two, I think, yes, coming yes, up. But sure. other than that, yeah, it's just going to be probably more of the same. Um, we'll get a couple other people. <laughs> yeah. Before, before yeah. So I mean, we've got um, just one or two episodes before we hit the mm -hmm. official year mark. And you and I have discussed... I mean, a couple of ideas for doing something fun to round up the year, but yeah. um, I guess we'll leave our listening audience in suspense as to uh, <laughs> yeah. as to what that might be or what our definition of fun might turn out yeah. to be. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. We'll find something fun to do for sure. So last time we talked with um, Al, whose Kickstarter has now wrapped up very successfully. Mm -hmm. And before that, I think we talked to Audrey um, because we had just wrapped up the RPG Fest at the Ann Arbor Library. Yeah. So what have you been up to in the last four or so weeks game-wise? Either games you've been running or playing or game-related stuff that has been mm -hmm. in your life? What's going on? Yeah, um, I have entered into the that fun time of year where it's impossible to schedule stuff yes. with everybody. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so my my regular weekly game, um, people have kind of been in and out. Um, we finally had everybody back at the table this last week, but the week before that, we got together and we only had two players, so I ended up running sort of a an ad hoc like little side story for them, which was quite a bit of fun. Um, I ripped off an idea from the Adventure Zone where you have kind of this like test of trials sort of things, right? So you have sort mm. of like three things they have to do. Uh, in the Adventure Zone, it was like a really old one shot they had done with each other where like they went through a very easy test of trials. It was like, you know, like walk across a rickety bridge, you know, it was like super easy stuff, like not, not a problem at all. They got to the end of it and then. Um, one of the players made some sort of complaint about it being too easy. And the person who was running, it was like, oh, you want the hard version, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So then they did everything again, but at like, you know, 10 times the scale. So we did something really similar in the game that I was running where they, they kind of woke up in the middle of the night to a, like a fair going on in the, the town square. And so they went out there and went through like a fun house. And then once they finished it, then the fun house, you know, multiplied um, 10 times and they, they went back through it again. Um, and at the end of it, instead of fighting off a, like a little gnome, <laughs> a gnome at the first one, they had to fight off a fire elemental and there was some other stuff going on, but it ended up being like, yeah, a fun diversion, uh, pretty fun to put together too. Right. Cause it was just like, well, take any sort of easy situation and then make it harder yeah. and it's going to be kind of more fun to go through. Um, and just allowed them to do some clever problem solving. Oh, nice. Well, I'm really glad. That's cool. That sounds good. Yeah. 
What about you? What are you doing? Let's see, a couple things. One is uh, kind of game-related. Uh, so, so we recently, and by recently I mean today, we got an Amazon <laughs> uh, Alexa device, like an Echo. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I, this is my first venturing into the world of like Big Brother like mm-hmm. constant surveillance. Uh, your ads are going to be household. great from here on out. Yes. Yeah, that was interesting. So we ordered it yesterday and then it showed up today and it was one of those like, uh, I'm so glad Amazon you have your shipping this efficient, but <laughs> but seriously, you could take a day off. I don't need it on. <laughs> yeah. So earlier this evening, my daughter comes running and announces that she's been playing Dungeons and Dragons with Alexa. What? So uh, I know. Um, so it turns out Alexa has these like interactive fiction type of, things you can interact with her i think the one my daughter was playing with her was called dungeon adventure and it's basically choose your own adventure but it has some definite dungeons and dragons type stuff like you roll dice to fight monsters and they have hit points <laughs> and they have critical hits and things like that so i listened to her play for like 20 or so minutes and i wouldn't say it's you know the new entertainment fad of the decade but like it was cool and i could see a lot of interactive fiction role-playing e things working on alexa sort of so super great and also i'm getting a little sweaty thinking that maybe gms will be in (laughs) not needed in the future (laughs) (laughs) yes uh alexa got confused you know alexa gets confused every now and then if it doesn't recognize what you're saying and my daughter was complaining about it and i almost made a crack to her that's like you know that's not worse than me when i'm running a game (laughs) (laughs) right That's really astonishing. Is that something, I mean, you might not know, but is it something that someone has made for Alexa or is that something that Amazon produced? Uh, I don't know. My daughter says there's a whole bunch of um, like these choose your own adventure type things for Alexa, mm-hmm. uh, not just this D&D themed one. So my guess is that they have some sort of, you know, like app development environment. Mm-hmm. Either there's this huge ecosystem of, of apps that I don't know about or else this is a fairly small thing Mm -hmm. Uh, but i can't imagine we won't be seeing more of this kind of app i mean it's really smart it reminds me of um there's a couple board games that i played growing up that had sort of an interactive Mm. piece totally blanking on the name i'll find it and throw it in the show notes later but yeah there was like a you were in a ship and there was some sort of like master computer that was you know yelling directions to you oh interesting stuff as you were playing it um yeah it was really fun but i mean like now with apps right you could make that a lot more complicated and a lot more interesting yep yeah have the have the sort of the computer be more of a participant in the game too yeah yeah i don't know if you have an alexa device but um you know it's worth it's worth fiddling around with it's it's certainly it's certainly intriguing (laughs) i would say yeah I almost got a Google version of that and um, was about to unpackage it. And my wife came in and looked at it and said, no, (laughs) (laughs) got rid of it, um, which is probably sensible. I mean, honestly, we don't need the the microphone all the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, uh, I still feel a little weird about it all, but uh, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it's, it's 2019. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, just just embrace it. Right. Um, The other thing I was going to mention is I am uh, currently Getting ready, I'd like to run a Star Wars game starting in the next month. Um, oh, cool. Just, I'd like to run a short, couple month long campaign, maybe mm-hmm. like five game nights total to just tell a little story. And um, mm-hmm. I haven't decided on a system entirely yet, and mm-hmm. uh, I have a pretty good idea of the kind of game I want it to run. I want to run a uh, like a heist, a, a solo style heist mm-hmm. uh, type of game but there's a couple of different systems that could run that including the you know official uh, branded star wars role-playing game yeah. which is very good um but there's other stuff like the scum and villainy role-playing game mm-hmm. that would um that would bring a different sensibility to it and uh, but we just came off of 
running a heisty type of game or playing in a heisty type of game because of your Blades in the Dark mm-hmm. uh, campaign you ran for us was pretty heisty. Uh, do you have any advice for me, I guess, as I think about... So first of all, as I think about like what system do I choose, does system... Mm-hmm. How much does system matter when you're running um, a really genre-heavy game like this? And do you have any heisty suggestions for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the system matter is actually quite a bit. So trying to run a heist in D&D, you're just sort of going to end up fighting the system quite a bit because um, it's naturally going to trend towards combat, whereas heists have lots more going on. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think with like Blades in the Dark, what's interesting is the system really supports and rewards characters doing stuff that you'd see in heist style movies. And I think scum and villainy is very similar. You'll find as you're reading the rules and stuff, it's like, yeah, they're going to, they're going to do certain things like try to set up someone to be the fall guy or like, you know, go into a party and try to like, you know, work the crowd and, you know, figure, you know, figure out some secret information that way. Like the system can do that. Whereas with D and D it would kind of just come down to like a deception role, right? Mm -hmm. Be a little less interesting. The one thing that I would say that I really picked up from the Blades in the Dark game and I've been thinking about a lot is like the player, the players need to know why their characters aren't invested in doing the action. With the heist in particular, if the characters don't have a really clear motivation why they're doing the heist beyond just like they want to get a bunch of money or something like that, it's hard for the players to really, you know, play those characters Mm. well. That's what I found um, because they hit these points where they're like, well, I don't really know why I'm here. Maybe I'll just run away. Because they don't really have an investment, in, sure, in yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes so like, sense. whatever you do, I would say like it, it should be more than like, oh, we met in a tavern and someone is going to give us money to do do that sort of thing. If there's any way you can bring in like, yeah, some sort of like personal stakes to it that they really want to get this heist done, uh-huh. um, it's going to go a little bit better and just give the the players more to grab onto. Okay, yeah. Well, I will probably be hassling you again, especially if I <laughs> especially if I use scum and villainy. I'll probably be hassling you more because mm-hmm. that shares a rule system with um, blades in the dark. Yeah. But yeah, I, you did a great job running blades, so um, that's oh, some, that's some good advice. So yeah, did you uh, do you have players lined up for it already? I have um, I have a couple of players, and I have feelers out to a few others. Some of the decision about what it will look like will depend on how many players I get. If I get if I have three players, that's one type of game. If I have seven. That's a different type mm-hmm. of game. So, this actually is a good this is a good segue, I think, into our topic at hand. So, are any of these players going to be sort of non gamers that you're going to be introducing to gaming? Uh, so, I did put feelers out to one non gamer who who I, I do not think has ever role played. Certainly not with me. I haven't heard back from that player yet, so I don't know if if they're going to bite or not. But um, I did pitch it as like you know, if this is something you are curious about, this is. This would be a nice one to to just try out because it's going to be limited. Mm-hmm. Deliberately keep it to a couple of you know a small number of game nights so that we don't have one of these kind of open ended. Does this mean that I am committed forever to spend yeah. Friday nights with you guys? Uh, types of situations. <laughs> yes, I've had that conversation with some people and someone actually fairly recently where they were pretty interested in joining the game, and I mentioned like yeah, and we meet every week, and there's like. suddenly became very less interested in it. (laughs) It was like, I mean, I guess you could come just once if you wanted, but it'd be a little weird. Like, you should really commit for a month or so. And he was just like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I get that. I totally get that. Um, And that was my fault. I did not pitch that correctly. (laughs) Yeah. This one, I pitched it as a once a month game, which I find that once a month is really on the outside edge of what you can do and keep people invested in what you're doing. But Mm -hmm. it's just... uh, it's just awfully hard to ask for more than that, uh, mm-hmm. at least with the, the group of people that I have um, reached out to because they're, 
the stereotype, you know, busy adults with kids and busy yep. jobs and church and other environment, you know, other, other stuff. So once a month, we'll yeah. see that, uh, if that, if that person said yes, and maybe, or you can just talk about a hypothetical person who would say yes, I guess, how would you start? how would you start them on this path of becoming a, a weekly gamer? Right. You know, how would you, how would you get them introduced? Do you do any sort of like prep where you just say, show up the day of, and we'll make it fun for you. Like what's, what's sort of the, like take someone from zero to playing their first game. That is a good question. And um, yeah, that is exactly the topic we rolled. So yeah, well, let's <laughs> just jump into it. Yeah. Um, the truth is, I don't know exactly how I'd answer that question. I have run a lot of games with people that are newish, that are new to role playing, or just incredibly casual. Usually, when I think about running a game like that, I just start making mental lists of like, what are the roadblocks? What are what can I like clear out of the path for this person? So that they get to the like the heart of what role playing is with the minimum of fuss. For me, in the games I have run, uh, the last time I did this, it meant that I created the characters for everybody. I love creating characters, and I know that some people would say no, creating characters is like you know a great way you know to get invested for the first time. Creating characters also takes up a couple of hours, basically the better part of one game night, and you know I'm doing a big ask already that this person is with me and not with their spouse mm -hmm. um, and children so if this person says yes i'm in i will trust uh, you know i'm going to take this leap of faith and try out this weird hobby i would probably since they're the only new player in this group that i've invited i would probably meet with them separately over lunch or something like mm -hmm. that and either make a character with them or um walk through like the just the ground rules of how this is going to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about you? What, what was the last time you, you ran a game for someone who was brand new to the hobby and what, how did you approach that? At the library event, I ran a couple games for people who hadn't played before. I feel like that was a different environment. Totally. Um, but like the lunch game that I'm running, a lot of those players were first time players or, you know, there's been a, a handful at least in that game who have been first time players. And for those people I did, like we did go out to lunch or, you know, got coffee or something to sort of talk through the character sheet. Um, I had some pre pre-generated mm -hmm. characters for them. I am planning a, a like one or two shot <laughs> that's going to happen between now and the end of the year um, with some friends. Um, and most of the people there will have not played before. Hey, great. They're really interested though in playing yeah. and like for various reasons, right? They just haven't been able to up until now. So like it's, it's a really fun opportunity for me to, to do that. And then I think one of our previous guests, uh, Jess is actually going to play in that game too. If, oh, if fantastic. But, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that'll be fun. I'll have to try to impress her with, <laughs> with something <laughs> too. But, uh, yeah, like thinking about that, the thing that immediately came to my mind too was also about characters like in, in creating your character because i think that's such a daunting process in most systems yeah like there's some systems that do it really well and they like they very much invest in that being sort of a storytelling element even with those though i mean there's still that sort of like it's a mental shift i feel like from playing the game yeah like creating the character to playing the game from the gm side you almost kind of want to like remove a whole class of problems and just give them a character sheet and say like okay now we're just going to play and then we'll explain sort of the mechanics as we're going along yep like that rather than be like, okay, so we're going to do this like character thing. You don't really know what any of this means or how it's going to work for you mechanically into the future, but like, it's important that you do it right. Just kind of skipping that might be nice, but I'm also going to just ask them sort of what they're interested in. Yeah. Cause I mean, they're all nerds of some variety already, so they might really like the, you know, sit down and make a character and I don't want to take that away from them either. 
you know, it is a fun part of a role-playing game, I think, is the character creation system. Or at least it is mm-hmm. in most cases. I tend a little bit towards not doing character creation. Personally, don't really like doing character creation and immediately then starting the game. Um, mm-hmm. As a GM, I need time to like think a little bit on the characters and how I'm going to shape the game around those characters. On a practical level, I also usually need time, especially if it's like at least a, a semi-complicated game like Dungeons and Dragons. I need time to like read up on all of the abilities and powers of the <laughs> yes. character they've made. Um, especially if it's a new player, because, you know, then there's extra, I feel extra pressure to know how every spell on their sheet works, because they certainly are not going to, and they're not going to read a 300 page book between now and the next game to figure it out. So I think it's a little weird, um, and a little, like slightly off-putting maybe to do like a character creation session for someone who's new, and but then not let them play right away, you know? <laughs> yes, so. Yeah. This is a long way of me saying to let people just like show up and immediately start playing the game they expressed tentative interest in. I like to just have the characters all ready to go and then they show mm-hmm. up and all right, let's just get started. What do you leave for them? Do you leave anything or do they they have their character name and all that? Character name, um, appearance, the non-number stuff I'll leave to the players. When, and, mm-hmm. and this is true whether they're they're newbies or, or not newbies. Um, if I've made mm-hmm. characters for you, I will ask in advance what kind of character you want to make. And then I will make it and I will leave the slots empty that talk about your personality and your hair color and mm-hmm. um, your backstory and things like that. And then to the extent that you want to fill those in, great. The thing that I'm thinking about doing for this D&D game coming up... and. I don't know. It was probably someone on this podcast who mentioned this, but I think I'm just going to ask the players, like, what character from the Lord of the Rings do you want to be? Mm, and then just yep. build build characters for them based on that. Yep. You know, or more broadly, like, you know, what character from what novel do you want to play as? Um, and then kind of find the, the archetype that fits for that. I mean, Star Wars has such wonderful archetypes. You know, I mean, anyone in this on this planet can be asked. <laughs> What, what, what type of alien do you want to be? And like, you know, what character from the movies do you want to be? You know, the serial numbers filed off version of they're just, you know, the the movies have all the archetypes you would really want to play in this genre. And then Mm -hmm. everyone loves all the aliens. And we all know what all the aliens are. You're going to end up with six Jabba the Hutts, (laughs) which would be kind of fun. Honestly, six Jabba the Hutts in a heist. (laughs) Oh, no heist in Star Wars could not have a hut involved in it somehow. Like having that the hut be the player would be uh, or multiple players would be a little bit bonkers. But yeah, um, you know, in a intriguingly bonkers kind of way i guess <laughs> in a one night sort of thing one of you guys is gonna have to be able to move to like you know to, to like, <laughs> or fit into a a spacecraft <laughs> uh so here's a question here's kind of a broader level question i have when i think about when i think about like forgive me for using this verb by the way onboarding a person into yeah um, i'm gonna forgive you for yes, that <laughs> I, I i apologize i hate myself when i think about onboarding someone into the hobby whether they're a total newbie or they're um just kind of a casual gamer who is interested enough to play but like you know that that's kind of the extent of it is i struggle with how much to ask of that person because I don't want to scare them off. I don't want to drop a lot of nerdiness on them and drive them away. I don't want to make this seem like work. And I don't want to make it seem weird, you know, or, or uncomfortable for them. But playing in a role-playing game is so much more fun when you invest in the game. Not only you like you get invested in your character and stuff, but 
you know, playing a game's a lot more fun when you've invested to learn the rules and to read up on what your spells do. And so there's a point at which, you know, if you've been playing for years and you still don't really, you know, you're just showing up at the table and you still don't really know all the ins and outs of the rules, you know, you're missing out on something. So I struggle with the question of like, oh, this person's expressed interest in the hobby. So what do I do? Do I try to ease them on and like, you know, like I said, move all those roadblocks out of the way for them so that nothing scares them off? Or do I say, hey, it's super fun in here. Jump, jump in. You know, it's cold, but you, the water's cold, but you're going to get used to it once you jump into the deep end here. Did you have any reactions to that? Yeah, I think the, my, my initial reaction is like, when I first started, you know, playing D&D, I was like, no one should ever have to own the player's handbook, right? Yeah. Like, it's just not a requirement. You can show up and play. And I still think that's fine. But you're absolutely right. There's something to be gained from getting really into the system and kind of figuring it out. Cause there's a lot, there's reasons why all those rules are there. It's not just arbitrary. Yep. Right. Like it's, there's some fun to be had with, you know, finding different ways that things connect to each other and like how you can use them and how, you know, different characters can, can make their player, you know, different, different characters can kind of, um, complement each other yep. and, and things like that. So like, yeah, uh, there was one week, there was one week where, um, I showed up to my game and realized that like most of the players had the player's handbook mm. and I had never mentioned to them, Hey, you need to go buy this. Like I just had one yep. if they wanted to look at it. And it was this really interesting moment for me as a GM is like, Oh, right. Like there is a handbook for them and they can read it if they want. And like, they can get a lot out of that. Like I don't have to prepare everything for them. Right. So to me, it comes back a little bit to like, there is a bit of a give and take. Like, so as the GM, you are usually the one who is invested in it and you're the one who wants to make it happen. And you know, you want to play probably a little bit more than everybody else who's at the table, yeah. which is, which is totally fine. And I think somewhat healthy, maybe not healthy, but somewhat healthy, yeah, for sure. healthy sort of position. But yeah, but like as the players, I mean, they, sh they also need to put a little bit of effort into on their end and sort of where they draw that line is up to them. But I think putting that effort in is what's sort of the important part. Yeah. Right. So some people aren't going to get the rules and it's just never going to stick in their brains and that's fine. Um, but they're going to get into the role playing or, you know, some other aspect of it and, and that's okay. So I think like the invitation that you're talking about should be like a, there's a lot you can do here. Come on and try some stuff. Not necessarily like, okay, if you have not read, you know, the player's handbook from, you know, <laughs> from cover to cover, you're not allowed to sit at the table. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing where you're sort of dictating how to jump in. I think you can make some suggestions and give them some options. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes any sense. It makes total sense. And that's helpful to hear. You know, over the last number of years, I've really, to the extent that I've gamed with new or casual players, I've really fallen on the side of like, look, I'll do all the work for you. Just show up. Maybe a, a dozen or 10 or 15 years ago, when I was younger, I wasn't married yet. I was doing a lot of gaming. I ran some games for a bunch of coworkers, at least half of whom uh, were totally new to role playing. And I did the opposite of that. You know, I, <laughs> I, I remember photocopying the combat chapter uh, of the D and D third edition rulebook and passing it around and saying, "Hey, it'd be you know, it'd be really helpful if you had read this before the next game." And then you know, no one, mm -hmm. no one read yeah. it, and and then mm -hmm. how in those. People drifted, <laughs> drifted off, and, and it's very clear in retrospect that um, I was throwing too much at them too quickly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's just that you got to find that balance between, yeah, I want to make this easy for you. And to the mm -hmm. extent that you want, you know, to kind of commit a little bit more, you'll find this an even more rewarding experience. So let me know, you know, so let's mm -hmm. talk about, like, how interested are you in, in, in this beyond just showing up and rolling dice? 
That's a good point. It's um like with Blades in the Dark, for example, like I don't think any of us really had a super great handle on the rules. <laughs> no. Um, maybe maybe like a little bit, right? Yeah. So we were sort of learning as we were playing. And I think that's a totally fine way to to play role playing games is sort of sort of learn as you go. Yeah, but I think there are there are me- mechanics in that that we just didn't engage with, right? That like it would have been fun to engage with them. But either I didn't put in the time or we didn't put in the time to really figure it out. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, this this has been on my mind with the Star Wars game I'm talking about. Because I'm thinking about mm-hmm. using Scum and Villainy, which is uses those Blades in the Dark rules. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons, uh, actually the only reason I might not go with Scum and Villainy is the same reason, by the way, I've been slow to start up a game of um, like a Band of Blades. It's mm-hmm. like Blades in the Dark is an example of a rule system where, I mean, honestly everyone kind of needs to know how the rules work that is a system where you just you can't go very long just showing up and like not knowing the rules and just rolling your dice when you're told you can of course but like those there's so much in those rules that is just so much more interesting if the players have a goal both narratively and mechanically or they have a narrative goal and they know the mechanics well enough that they are playing the game like you know that they are mm-hmm. using the mechanics to achieve the like narrative goal that they have you got to know the mechanics like pretty well to do that getting sort of back to the like the question at hand it's like yeah introducing a non-gamer to your game the the idea there is that you're taking someone who has no familiarity with whatever you're doing and getting them into the game and i think like it's it's possible to be playing a game and to still not be familiar with it right there's sort of like there's levels to this familiarity with the game um right like going back in say replaying like a module that you've done before right like you can kind of get other stuff from it as you're you're going back um one thing that's fun and i'm gonna move off topic a little bit here one thing that's fun about introducing new players to the game by the way is that you can break out your favorite adventures again that um that have a special place in your heart and you can run them again you think like yeah, break out your greatest hits and then also just like try some new stuff. Yeah, too. yeah, right. Like because like if you're if you're familiar with it, especially if you're familiar with sort of getting people up to speed on it, I think for me that's really fun because it's like you can get into it in in a different way, especially if you're familiar with with what you're going to be running. When we were doing the the RPG fest, I was running you know scenario I was pretty comfortable with, and like I didn't have to look at notes at all. Yeah, which is which was very different from how I, I normally have to GM because I'm I'm trying to kind of keep things going on the adventure and stuff. But if you just had to sort of have it in your head, it's really fun to sort of just play at the table then because then you can just be pretty invested in what's happening. Yep. Um, yep. Um, I want to ask another question that's sort of tangential to this. So we talked a little bit about just like, you know, how do you even get them to the table? But once you're at the table and playing, what do you do for introducing mechanics to them? Do you do a big info dump at the start? Do you just kind of play and then introduce stuff as it's happening? I can tell you what my ideal is. Um, but it's not usually what I live up to. What I guess I like as much as possible to avoid that info dump because mm-hmm. uh, no one in any game, whether it's a role playing game or like a board game, there's nothing quite as torturous as just having like the game host sit there and just, you know, spend 20 minutes like going through <laughs> rules that you don't yet have much context for. Yeah, good question. I don't think there's any way you can avoid a certain like level of info dump at the beginning Mm -hmm. but to the extent you can save mechanics for when they actually come up that said i found it's hard at the rpg fest i tried to do that with numenera i tried to take like one minute and just go through the base mechanic which is really simple it's not any more complicated Mm -hmm. than D, &D and it's a little simpler 
but it's hard. It's because it, you're like, oh, but to understand, but they should probably know about this. So they should probably <laughs> keep this thing in mind. So I should at least mention it. And I don't know. It's hard. There's just kind of no clean way to do it. I think you have to, you have to sort of pause, pause and do it. I mean, I like to just say like, let's sort of dive in and then you just pretend you tell me what you want to do. And then I will tell you once we need to roll dice and, and kind of what that'll That'll look like that to me makes sense. But I think to a certain kind of personality, that's just like the worst thing you could do to them mm. is like, they're looking at a bunch of dice on the table and they're like, well, what do they do? <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why are these in front of me? Like, I need to know, you know, I need to know that information right now. And other people are just like, oh, there are dice in front of me. Okay. I, oh, okay. I guess we'll roll them now. Like, you know, it's just going to depend a little bit on the personality. You know, if you have the luxury of doing sort of a session zero, sort of like, let's go out to lunch and talk about it. I think you can use that to kind of go through some of the, the rolling mechanics and, and some of that sort of stuff. But there's just, there's just too much to cover. So I think you're right on, like you kind of give the, the basic mechanic, you know, the, the basic idea, probably the first thing they're going to interact with, try to do that. And then from there sort of introduce things as they come up. Um, I think it gets trickier when you have like all the different classes and stuff going on. Yep. So it's like, you know, people have spells that you have to sort of, you know, figure out how to explain spell slots to them. Yeah. <laughs> Those sorts of things, which Al last episode mentioned just using poker chips. And it's like, yep. well, of course, that's the, that's exactly what everybody should be doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just give, give them a physical reminder. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard, right? Cause there's sort of so much that goes into it, but you also don't want to do the info dump and you just want to play. And it's like, I don't know what the, the best sort of approach that is. And I think it probably is going to be dependent on the player, player's personality. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this game that I'm going to be running upcoming because there's a couple of the people are like academics who are going to be playing in it. Like one's a programmer, you know, like we just have some sort of different, different personalities, but again, they're all like used to doing lots of like information gathering yep. stuff. So it'll, it should be fun to see, see how they approach it. Do you use like cheat sheets or do you prepare cheat sheets for new players? I typically do not, but I also play pretty fast and loose with rules mm -hmm. though, too, in general. And mostly relying on just like, well, if it makes sense for the narrative, we'll kind of just keep going yeah. with it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So any cheat sheet that I would have would mostly just be like, well, ask the, the DM which one you have to roll. Right. Yeah. You know, I can't think of anyone I've played with uh, in in recent memory who hasn't basically just gotten the gist of it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I can certainly think of people that never figured out the rules exactly. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if if you as a GM are comfortable just, like, you know, playing a little extra fast and loose until they get the hang of it, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, most people just intuitively understand what's going on once the game gets rolling. I, I think most people most people can pick it up pretty quickly yeah well i would guess probably in the the style of games that we we run they can pick it up intuitively i'm positive there are other gms who it's like no you really need to read before because <laughs> yes. i will there's going to be a total party kill if you don't yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um yeah which i mean part of me would love to play in a game like that sometime where everybody has read yep. like everything and is super up up to date on it because i think it would be a, a very different style of strategy yeah i would hate to run such a thing but <laughs> it'd be fun to to play in such a thing you know we all gms i think have this list of you know games they dream of one day running and probably never will yeah. that are fun and one of them is to take a just really mechanically intense system like dungeons and dragons fourth edition or something mm -hmm. and um, find a group of people that really know the rules and then just throw 
everything the system you know and then run the yeah. a hardcore by the book no mercy uh campaign yes. and just see what comes of that experience um <laughs> definitely never do that with new players but yeah i'm, I'm glad that this is a universal sentiment because i i have i too have this dream in the back of my head that like i just want to get together like yeah a group of hardcore players and it's just like no holds bar yeah. <laughs> like let's yeah, <laughs> yes let's see how long you can survive like the you know the mega dungeon that i've created for yeah, you yeah yeah um I feel, unfortunately, I think I've missed the boat on that. <laughs> yeah, you'll never run it. I'll never run it either. But it, you know, it will be a, a distant dream for us, guiding us, you mm-hmm. know, through the, the decades to come. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we should wrap it up here before we get um, too nostalgic for a future that will never be. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've, yeah. Stop before I start weeping over here. Just uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, this was good. Uh, yeah, this was a, a really interesting discussion. I mean, it, it sounds like it's something, you know, both of us think about quite a bit. And I imagine most GMs think about it a lot because part of what you do as a GM is continue to introduce people to the game because you need people to play with. Yeah, and, you um, know, there has never been a time in my life when more people want to play role-playing games mm-hmm. than they do right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's, it's a great time to be a GM. And um, yeah, I mean, anyone running games out there, you know, I mean, it's a very real possibility that you're going to have a new player in your next game. Um, yeah, and that's good. Celebrate it. Don't don't scare them off. Yeah, please, for sure. Yeah, need, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> need more that's right. You'll, well, first, you'll need to invest $50 in the player's handbook yes. and then you'll need to. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, my, my one, my one parting shot on this is I think what is was pretty fun. If you're going to run D&D or some game that has, has dice that uh, have a heavy involvement in the game. If you have the sort of people who are playing the game who like to accessorize in their real life, like if they like Mm. dressing up and things like that, tell them to go down to their local gaming store and pick out some dice that they feel like match their personality. I think buying dice is like one of the cheapest thrills we have left (laughs) in this world. (laughs) Yes, you're Um, right. And you know, um, I'll add to that um, miniatures, mm -hmm. Um, miniatures are a good one too. You know, they're super cheap and everyone loves having Mm -hmm. a little, um, little, I guess they're plastic now. A little resin dude uh, that, with pointy swords and stuff like that. So yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good conversation, um, Chris. Good, good, good. Yeah. I guess. Do we want to? Um, do we want to add anything to the table? Yeah. I suppose it is our our vaunted tradition to replace the topic mm-hmm. that we rolled. So the topic we rolled was introducing new gamers to your table. Something that I've been thinking about quite a bit, especially as I'm going into this game for for a bunch of newbies, is how do you create memorable NPCs? Huh. Okay. How do you create an NPC that in one or two sentences they want to love this person forever, hate this person forever, you know, stick with them, buy everything they have? Just like the sort of NPCs that people are going to talk about when they when they leave the table. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. We'll add it to the list. And this is going to be specifically in a, an advice column one for me where I'm just going to listen to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever people say. So, yeah, we'll need to find a guest that uh, can answer that well so they can teach us. So that's how this yes, works. Yes, yeah. Well, um, thank you all so much for listening. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. If you if you can tell a friend about us, great. Um, you know, we don't do any advertising whatsoever. So anyone who is listening, we totally appreciate um, that you are. So uh, please reach out if you want to. Uh, our contact information is on the website, gmdiscussions.com. Um, you can let us know anything you want. And if anyone knows anyone who should be a guest on this podcast, please let us know. We are always looking for um, new people to come on and share their wisdom with us. So, Absolutely. Uh, this has been, yeah, this has been Roll for Topic. I've been Chris Salzman. I have been Andy Rao. Remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. 